0: Hi, and welcome to episode 57 of No Crying in Baseball. There's a chill in the air, so we're firing up the hot stove. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. Uh, A little sad that
1: we're not having actual MLB baseball going on, but there's stuff to talk about.
0: We're going to keep you warm along with the hot stove all off season. Yes, we are. And if you've been following any baseball news, if you check, if you read websites or listen to other podcasts, you're probably as sick to death as I am of where are Manny Machado and Bryce Harper going to go. And the worst phrase in the world right now is Harper's Bazaar. Thank you, Scott oh, Boris, God. for saying Harper's Bazaar is now open. So we're going to talk later about that a little bit. So today on the podcast, we're going to talk about so many awards. We're in the middle of award season. It's like, you know, Oscars, Golden Globes, but for baseball. The hot stove's getting fired up, so we're going to talk about what's up with qualifying offers and the themes to look for in the offseason, and my two themes to watch out for our old guys and the value of starting pitchers. There's a big baseball fun happening right now in Japan with the MLB All-Stars, including our favorite rookie. There's no surprise why the Japanese roll women's baseball, and Major League Baseball invites women to network, but not yet to lead. How about some awards, body Mouth?
1: There's been a lot of action since the season ended, since the World Series has been over. I just want to say uh, world champion Red Sox one more time. Can I just say that every time we talk about the Red Sox from here on? I don't end? know how I can world stop champion. you. Yep, I um, will try. But you guys are going to get so sick of this. Already. I, but, Already. But I, I won't talk about them too much, except for the fact that one of them, one of my favorite, has won a shitload of awards. So since the season ended, it's just been award city. There's more to come, but we heard about a lot in the past couple of weeks. There are two different defensive awards, and I had to look into this a little bit because I didn't understand why there were two. They're both business-sponsored. Rawlings Gold Glove. Am I saying that right, Rawlings? You are. That's right. Rawlings Gold Glove and the Wilson Defensive Player. So they're not just competing over who gets to make the glove. They're competing over what kind of defensive award we give. The Gold Glove Awards historically were by the coaches and the managers, and they voted on players who were not on their team, but in their league, who were worthy of getting the defensive awards. As Sabermetrics has been expanding and expanding for the past six years, 25% of the Rawlings Gold Glove award has been decided by Sabermetrics. So I don't know how you take this qualitative thing, right, and then take 25% of that qualitative thing and make it quantitative, but that's apparently what they're doing. Well,
0: they're adding the quantitative piece to it. So you've got the voting over here, and you've got the numbers over here, and then they weight that part differently by percentage and put that together. And it doesn't always work out the way I want, but some of your favorites
1: are doing all right. Yeah, I I kind of like that one because it does have the human element. And as we're going to see, the Wilson Defensive Player Award is all sabermetrics, all stats, our boyfriends, who we have picked this for this past season, we're going to reevaluate this next week, but we have this list of guys that we have picked for not just being stellar players, but being great guys. We each have one on each team, and they did pretty well on this gold glove situation. My American League gold glove winners under the potty mouth baseball boyfriend league is Dallas Keuchel, who I had with my Astros pitching because I had the whole slew of them. Salvador Perez, one of the the guys I I absolutely adore for his wit and his spirit and his finesse on the field as catcher for the for the Kansas City Royals. Then, of course, there's Mookie Betts, my pookie, who, you know, spoiler alert, his name is going to come up a lot because he is just winning everything. But I have even more gold glove winners on the National League side from the Potty Mouth Baseball Boyfriend League. We have Yadier Molina as catcher of the St. Louis team, Anthony Rizzo of the Cubs first baseman and Ender Inciarte of the Atlanta Braves. And uh, I just wanted to say one more thing. We have this platinum glove thing that we've talked about before. It, which is a fan vote out of the Golden Glove winners. And I really wish that I had looked into this before the vote actually happened. We just missed it. So none of our boyfriends won it.
0: It's like neither of us knew that was happening, which is weird because we read a lot of baseball sources. I don't know why. How do we miss this? I don't get it. The Gold
1: Glove winners were all over the place. But because we didn't know about it, Nolan Arenado of the Rockies and Matt Chapman of the A's won the Platinum Glove. But you had some gold
0: glove guys too, right? I did. I did. So, um, Freddie Freeman, my national league first baseman won. He was my only winner, but I had a boatload of runner, up, runners up. Ooh, that's like attorneys general in games seven, runners up. So Javi Baez and Francisco Lindor and Anthony Rendon and Corey Kluber and, and Anthony Benatendi all got runners up because defense is sexy and so we you know we, we tend to go for those defense guys and that gives them extra credit in our books i just wanted to point out the potty mouth got catchers in both leagues hey that's pretty awesome you got the two best defensive catchers as your boyfriends that's pretty cool nice work that makes up for some other lesser decisions you may have made based on things other than say how well they play it, see in, in the end it just all balances out Before we get to the Wilson one, I just want to point out another difference between those two kinds of awards is, as you just heard, the Gold Glove Awards are per league. There's the American League winner for each position and and the National League. For the Wilson Awards, there's no league. There's one person for each position.
1: My buddy, I haven't talked about it nearly enough lately, Jose Altuve, Mr. Wonder Guy from the Astros. It's his fifth time that he has won this Silver Slugger Award. And then, of course, we have Wait me, for it. Wait for it. Wait, wait, let me
0: guess. Is it is it Pookie?
1: It is Pookie. <laughs> and how can you blame them with a 346 average, 32 home runs. He had 30 steals. I don't know if that figures into the equation. I doubt it, but I just wanted to kind of say it. That's offense. That th- there you go. That's that, totally so offense. So it's got to be in there. It's in that that mysterious algorithm that they have. Did he really finish with 346? That's freaking amazing. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And Just a little by the way, another team on our Fantasy Boyfriend Baseball League, the Tacoma Park Sox, that made a lot of progress over the season and had J.D. Martinez, who is now the first player in history, to win two Silver Slugger awards at the same time.
0: This is amazing. This is for two different positions in the same year.
1: He played
0: a designated hitter, which is what he was supposed to be.
1: He played DH ninety three times over the season, but an impressive amount of time he also played in the outfield, fifty seven times. Wait, less than a third is impressive to you, or about a third is well, impressive. Well, when to you? you're doing that much DHing, and I'm okay with the DH thing, we can we can, we can go back to that. But I think that's that's enough that he should be uh, available for that award. Deserving of that award, okay, with the kind of stats that he was
0: putting out. Okay, this is one of those agree to disagree. Yeah, yeah, we'll (laughs) leave it there. He's a damn good hitter. He is a damn good hitter. That's that. uh, There's no question about that. So my silver slugger guys, American League Lindor for shortstop. I think we need to point out that there's one per position. So one shortstop. So in the National League, I have a freaking awesome infield. Right, I got. Goldie at first base, Javier Baez, second base, Trevor Story at shortstop. They are are all Louisville's Silver Slugger winners. That would be an amazing all-star team to see that that. kind of
1: infield. Yeah. We've got to work on third, but we can probably put that together. Well, I I pick
0: Anthony Rendon for that, but Mm. nobody's with me on that one. I'll go with you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go together. Let's write somebody about that. I think writing a letter is totally going to solve that issue. <laughs> totally, that always,
1: It always <laughs> works. We'll get a petition. We'll sign oh, a petition. that's such a white lady way to solve but, problems, isn't oh it? Oh, my God. Here we go, showing our demographic. <laughs> Another award, overall heart and hustle. A few episodes again I, ago, I don't remember when, but we talked about all of our boyfriends. We had a ton of them who got these heart and hustle awards, which dem- is an award for somebody who demonstrates a passion for the game of baseball. And best embodies the values, spirit, and tradition of the game, which is the Boyfriend Award. It totally works as the Boyfriend Award. award. So it totally makes sense that the boyfriend of boyfriends, Mookie Betts, got the overall Heart and Hustle Award. The first Red Sox to do it since Dustin Pedroia, and I think it was 2013. And he couldn't make it to the ceremony. Why not? Do tell. He got yet another award. What could possibly be better than any of these awards? The Baby Girl Award. He had a baby the day after my birthday. I'm sure they were really trying to get her out there on my birthday, November 5th. But no, didn't quite make it. Wait, you said get her out there, didn't you? Well, yeah. <laughs> Wait, you've given
0: birth. You've, okay, you know, th- never mind. I'm backing away from this All one. Right.
1: <laughs> she appeared the day after my birthday. On November 6th. So little nameless princess baby Betts. I haven't been able to figure out the name
0: yet, but she's there. So I've noticed that there seems to be a tiny little Major League Baseball boomlet, which means that the last couple of weeks prior, immediately prior to when spring training starts, there's some activity going on on the home front.
1: Hmm. It's,
0: it, the timing is interesting because we do have three consecutive
1: notable babies. We have the baby bets on the sixth, Princess Pookie. Princess. That, that works. That totally works. Princess Pookie. The, the pictures, you've got to look at his Instagram thing. There's the, the most adorable, exhausted parents having just given, well, of course, the mother looks a little more exhausted, but he looks pretty tired too. And he posted it, this exhausted dad, happy face with the baby on top of him and posted his wife as well. From looking, the podium. <laughs> and not, quite, not quite. Not quite. Hospital bed. Definitely Who, else? Hospital Who else? bed. Tell us more. The day after, because I guess they didn't want to sort of share the spotlight, Justin Vernlander and Kate Upton, very awaited baby, had little Genevieve on November 7th. And then on November 8th, another boyfriend of mine from the Cleveland team, Yonder Alonso, another girl. And he has a registry. With a few items left out there. No shot glasses, though.
0: Yeah, we looked for bar-related items. We didn't find any. So I think we may be passing on this one. But if if you're so inclined, you can find on Bye Bye Baby, the, uh, the, the register for Yonder and Amber Alonso. And we encourage that. The really big awards are going to be announced this week. These awards are the ones that are voted on by the Baseball Writers Association. And I learned a fun fact about that that I didn't know different writers are assigned different categories. I thought it was like the Oscar ballot when you go to an Oscar party and you vote on on every category, the best picture and best director and best actor. No, you might be assigned the American League Rookie of the Year. I might be assigned the National League Manager of the Year. Who knew? So here's how the awards are going to go. One a day, starting on Monday, Monday's Rookie of the Year Awards, Tuesday's Manager of the Year Awards, Wednesday, the Cy Youngs, and Thursday, MVP. So 6 p.m., Eastern Time on on MLB Network is when they do the announcements, and then you'll hear about it immediately afterwards if you're not staying next to your MLB Network feed.
1: Let's do a couple off the cuff picks right now. I'm saying I'm going to go with Juan Soto for Rookie of the Year just because I, I would really like to see
0: that, and Shohei Otani. I really think that Juan Soto is going to lose to Acuna, which makes me sad because I think it should be I think it should be um, Soto, but I I agree with you on on Otani for darn sure.
1: Ma- yeah. manager of the year. I'm going to go with Alex Cora. I am wearing, I am proudly
0: wearing my In Cora We Trust. He is so amazing. Just an amazing guy. I've you know got to go with him. I'm not going with him. I'm going for um the manager of the Oakland A's because they came out of nowhere. The Red Sox came from on top and stayed there. I'm not denigrating Cora. He did an amazing job. But I kind of think you have to kind of pull in the whole picture. So I kind of feel like the manager of the A's. And I'm also going the manager of the Braves, even though the Braves make me go, ooh, because the Braves were not expected to do very well. And they did Great. And I think it's the manager. Interesting.
1: That makes a lot of sense. But I think also Cora has going for him that he was a rookie manager going into that hot pot of what Boston is and that kind of Boston pressure and surviving that your first year and winning the World Series. What about your
0: National League manager? Uh Did you see me cut her off on the Red Sox everybody? That was me cutting (laughs) off on the Red Sox. I mean Brewers. I mean Council I, was, yeah. was a pick for me too, but I really think it's going to be the the Braves manager.
1: I, I I'm going to go with Council actually, just because of that shaking up the pitching at the end when they got into the when they they really played smart in the championship series.
0: They were so close, so yeah, I'll go with I'll go with uh, nice. Brewers. Cy Young, I'm going Verlander, and I think it's going to be DeGrom. I want it to be Scherzer in my heart, but I think DeGrom's going to get like, you know how sometimes you get like the best actor award because of the movie you did before? Mm-hmm. I kind of think everybody just thinks DeGrom deserves it, damn it. So even if he didn't have a great year in the win column, he had an amazing year in all his other columns. So I think it's DeGrom, and it's got to be Verlander.
1: I, I'm going with Snow. Ooh. I think I think Blake Snell is going to pull it off from the Rays. And I think right. that the, the Rays did such an amazing job with their pitching that I'm going to go Snell and I'm going to agree with you on
0: DeGrom. I think that he's he's got that. And then MVP, yellow, <laughs> yellow, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Okay. no doubt. that was easy. All right. So that's going to be behind us. But the thing that's getting started right now is the hot stove season. And raise your hand if you remember why we call it hot stove. Anybody? Anybody? Uh, I'm not raising my hand. Oh, Pie's doesn't remember. Please okay. help me. Okay, so the hot stove is when there's no actual baseball being played and it's cold outside. We're hanging out with our friends, keeping our hands warm around the hot stove, t- shooting the shit. We're talking about baseball. So this is all the stuff that happens in the hot in, in the off season. So we're calling it the hot stove. Last year, there was kind of a shit show with free agency, right? People were like halfway through spring training, people still hadn't been signed. One of the theories was the teams were saving up their money for this year because this year the the free agency class is so big. So that's one thing to watch for to see if that really is what's going to happen. Before free agency, there's qualifying offers. This is kind of interesting to me. So As a team, you can offer a contract to someone who's going to go into free agency, and the amount is the same across the board. You offer them a $17.9 million contract. Last year, it was $17.4 million. They averaged the top 125 salaries, and that's what they came up with for an annual salary. And you can offer that to someone who's going to start free agency. If they... Don't take it, they can move on to their free agency. If they take it, you've got them for another year for $17.9 million, which may be a bargain or it may be a lot, depending on the player, and it puts free agency off. If they turn it down, your team, because you made the offer and it was turned down, gets an extra draft pick. So it's a good idea to make that offer in some cases because you may be playing the longer game and saying they're never going to say yes, but I want this. Or maybe if they do say yes, I get them for a bargain in some cases kind
1: of a win-win situation either you get your player or you're getting something Unless might it, as well try it yeah
0: it's, it's it's worth a try but only nine qualifying offers were made this year across all 30 teams in baseball and they include harper and kimbrell and keichel and they have until tomorrow at five to accept so by the time you hear this you'll know if anybody accepted i don't think anybody will because i mean only like i think only like seven or eight have been accepted ever out of 70-some that were made. right Now, here's a, here's a learning experience. right? So Moustakis, my boyfriend, Mike Mostakis, last year was becoming a free agent leaving the Royals. And the Royals extended him this qualifying offer of $17.4 million. He said, no, I'm going to be a free agent. I can get more than that or I can get a longer contract. Sometimes you want a guarantee of more than one year. And that might be why more than the money you want to know you're working again for two years or three years or 10 years. So he said, no. And then because of the really messed up free agency market last year, he ended up going back to the Royals for $6 million in, for a one-year contract instead of seventeen. Ended up getting traded to the Brewers. Who knows what's going to happen now? Be a free agent all over again because they basically rented him for the last half of the year. But he'd had a big pay cut. So in his case, he should have taken that, that one.
1: How old? Do you know how old he is?
0: I do not remember how old he is. But that brings us to the next thing. There are a couple of- Dun, dun, dun. Dun dun, dun. <laughs> dun. dun, dun, The next things are the things that I think are going to be really interesting in the free agency season. One is old guys, right? Old so, guys are always interesting. I love old I guys. I love old guys. I, old guys are our favorites. So in order to qualify for a free agency, you have to have six years of service time. Service time, one year of service time is, okay, this is weird. It's 172, 172 days played in the major leagues. That equals one year of service time. Teams mess with this all the time. They bring you up from the minors. You play a couple weeks. You get your cup of coffee, right? You get sent back down. You get a shot in a beer if you you're get lucky. a shot in a beer if you're older. If, if you're old <laughs> enough to have a <laughs> shot in a beer, you do that. And that cuts down on the number of days you're playing in the major league. So that may extend how many year, years you are under that team's control before you can become a free agent. So right now, position players, the average age is about 24 years old. So- When they that's when they become a major league player, like full time. So, six years after that, they're 30 or more when they hit free agency, right? They're on the other side of that of the hill, right? And I know, I know, but it's over the hill. I mean, guys can play for a couple of years, but a lot of the free agency contracts are for six years or eight years, right? And Teams are starting to say, "Can we really invest in somebody who's 32 years old for more than a couple of years?" Right. Right now, the the average age of people hitting free agency this year is 33. Right. So you're so this is it's interesting. Now, the reason Machado and Harper and a couple others are going to get bonzo bucks is because they're only 26. They hit the majors when they were 19 and 20. So they are super young. So you can offer them an eight-year contract, and they're only going to be 32 at the end of that contract, right? Did I do that math right? No, it's 34. Whatever. It's a lot. It's a lot. So so they're a better investment, right? But most of the guys who finally hit free agency are a lot older. And I know Harper's a Boris dude
1: anyway, a Scott Boris uh, manager, and he likes to go for that long contract, which makes sense.
0: If you have a young guy, get a lot of years, get a lot of money. Absolutely. So there's the whole Harper's bazaar is open, but so you can't count on free agency the way you used to. And it really, it's it's weird because of it it's it's in place for these older guys who I, I don't know. I don't know the other. We'll see what happens. Last year, all the guys in the middle got screwed, right? They got dragged along for a long time. The other thing to look for this year: starting pitchers. Remember how weird pitching got this year? Just even
1: in the playoffs. The injuries were were intense also. Over the course of the season, I think injuries to
0: starting pitchers really shifted the game a lot. There's injuries, but there's, yes, absolutely. And also how pitching was managed. Right. That was huge. Right. So we had bullpenning. We had like entire games um, pitched by the bullpen, two innings, two innings, two innings. We had Tampa Bay starting this whole thing with openers, where they'd have a guy come in and and, and pitch to the fir- the order once through, or get the first three or six outs, and then somebody else would be the actual starter that would go long-term. So we're changing how pitching is valued. It used to be you want the guy who can pitch for a long time. This year, only 13 pitchers pitched 200 or more innings. And to put that in perspective, in 2015, only a couple years ago, there were 28 Right. There were more than twice that many pitchers who pitched for more than 200 innings. You know, I
1: wonder if this is connected to that injury issue, actually, because we've been talking a lot about how pitchers are throwing harder mm-hmm. and that it's not good for you. And so maybe one
0: way to keep them throwing hard is to stop them from pitching so much. So exactly. So one of the things that there is being valued right now is more power, but fewer innings like Evaldi, for instance. Right, I mean, he went long in that that World Series game, but that was that, that was just you know out of the ordinary. But you, you might be more interested in guys who can give you four innings of a, of huge power than the guy who's going to get you through to the seventh when you can start your relievers and your closers. So that's something to watch. the the, the starting like star pitcher, the ace, may not be as valued at, now as they were before. So keep an eye on that. Um, Clayton Kershaw played it safe. Right, He had an opt-out. He could become a a free agent this year. He chose not to. He chose to re-sign with the Dodgers. I think he was playing it safe because he had a bad kind of, you know, he had bad playoffs. He had one great game, a couple of not so great games. He had a lot of injuries. So I think he was seeing the writing on the wall that maybe he's not going to get a huge multi-year contract because he's a little risky right now. So he's re-signed with the Dodgers who know him and love him and he's staying home.
1: It'll be interesting to see what happens with some of the big pitchers who are out there on agency, like Dallas Keuchel, mm-hmm. who the Yankees are talking to. And he's saying- There goes the beard. He he even fucking said that he would shave to go to the Yankees. Oh, Damn he's it. He's dead to me. Damn <laughs> it. Exactly. Like I was just praising him, but no, no more. He will be dead to me too.
0: So thanks to watch. We'll we'll report back on, on how that's going and if, if there are other issues that start coming up that are interesting for free agency this year. Let's go to Japan.
1: Let's go to Japan. One thing I really wanted to do on our podcast that we talked about last year is to figure out how to watch baseball when there is no baseball. This is the dark season for us. When there's no
0: American baseball.
1: That's it. Exactly. Exactly. When, When our MLB is not playing, what can we do to watch baseball? And the first best thing is to watch our favorite players still playing in Japan right now. We're in the middle of this Japanese series, Japan series between the what they call the MLB All-Stars but I still can't figure out how they got there. I don't know who picked them. I don't know how they made this team, but they're over there in Japan and they're playing against the Japanese national team known as Samurai Japan. Talk about intimidating. We have a lot of boyfriends going on out there in the batting. Oh, by the way, Patty, did you know that they do use the DH in Japan? They're dead to me. Too. How about that? How about that? So, in on on Sigh. on the lineup. I has been
0: down that. <laughs> Just because it's very big in Japan doesn't it, mean – I mean, Cheap Trick was very big in Japan. I don't know.
1: <laughs> That's really – there's a good point. You know what? I got to drink to that before I talk about the batting. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So we're bringing over nine up, nine guys in the lineup, five on the bench. It seems to be a little fluid because what they had marked on one isn't necessarily what's happening. But yadda molina. The, the boyfriend of boyfriends from the Cardinals, my catcher, he's there. And so far, out of three games that they've played, he's batting 636, including a home run in game three. So I'm really happy with how Yachty's going. Our buddy Juan Soto, not a boyfriend, but maybe going to be pretty soon. He's raking it out there. We have Ronald Acuna Jr., who also not a boyfriend, but we've been watching him mighty carefully, especially because of what's going on with Rookie and Juan Soto. And you have a couple boyfriends. You've got Whit Merrifield from the Royals, and you've got Reese Hoskins from the Phillies. They're
0: both former boyfriends of mine. They've they've moved on. That's okay. I still love them. And
1: and they're moving all the way over to Japan. One of my favorite boyfriends, who's one of those maybe bad decision boyfriends, but I still am going to stick with him, Kike Hernandez of the Dodgers, is having a blast. He's batting zero. (laughs) No hits so far. He does have an RBI somehow. I'm sure it was like a a sacrifice or something like that. But on the way over, they stopped in Hawaii and he did some hula dancing that just cannot be missed. Surprising no
0: one whatsoever. (laughs) While we're talking batting, I want to talk about Juan Soto because he is lighting it the frick up in Japan. They're playing in domes. All right. He keeps hitting the dome. One of those hits was a double off the dome because if you hit the dome in fair territory, it's a fair ball. If it gets stuck briefly in the dome and then drops, it's still a fair ball. And I think that's kind of what happened on his doubles. The guys are standing under. If the dome wasn't there, it would have been an easy pop fly, but the dome was there. So he made it all the way. (laughs) He made a double. He got a double, basically, when this thing finally dropped and landed between two players.
1: That's not what happens in Tampa, right?
0: You know, they have different rules in Tampa, and they pointed that out, actually. We're still not quite clear what the what the rules are in Japan off the dome. But the last one that he hit was actually a problem because it would have been a home run if the damn roof wasn't in the way. Because of the arc of and where it hit it, it dropped straight down and landed on the warning track. So if it didn't hit, it would have gone out. But the I don't know why, but they didn't rule it that way. That it would, that it should have been a home run based on where in Tampa it would have been a home run because they mark it. Like if it hits here, clearly it's going out. So, but he just keeps banging up the stadiums. He's
1: doing awesome. I
0: mean, despite that, he has two home runs out there, including an opposite field at least. A one two run homer, was, yeah, an so. opposite field two run homer. And in the meantime, he and his his new friend, his competition for rookie of the year, yes. Ronald Cunha Jr., are having a great time hanging out together. I
1: think they're all having a blast out there. Don Mattingly is out there as their coach, Don Mattingly of the Marlins. Uh, the pitching situation is interesting because we don't have the star pitchers out there. There's a five-man rotation, and there is, are a bunch of relief pitchers. I forget how many. I have it like nine, ten, something like that. But in the starting rotation, which didn't actually end up being the starting rotation, so go figure, were two Boston pitchers who were not on the World Series team. So they got a little bit of rest. They were on this World Series team. They get to go to Japan. That's Hector Velasquez, Mexican pitcher for the Red Sox, and Brian Johnson. Kenta Maeda of the Dodgers, who was on their World Series team, and but just pitched a couple innings in that killer long Game 3.
0: Because everybody pitched in that killer long Game 3.
1: It seems like that's all he pitched, though. So he was rested
0: up enough to go to
1: Japan. And Junior Guerra from the Brewers, who is also in the championship team, he lost his game in the NLDS. And I think he lost his game at Japan too. Japan has won 2 against the MLB All-Stars winning one. We've played th- three games so far, all at the Tokyo Dome. And this is this is exactly why I'm, 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 I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I'm jumping. Go for it. Tomorrow they get to play at Mazda Zoom Zoom Stadium. <laughs> I so wanna go to Zoom Zoom Stadium. I promise, I hereby promise right now on air, on recording, that I am going to get up tomorrow morning at, shit, it's 4.30. I thought it was 5. 4.30. 4.30 in the morning. A.M. Eastern Time. Yes. Damn it. To watch Mazda Zoom Zoom Stadium game. You heard it right now. You can tweet me or message me on Facebook tomorrow to ascertain that that really happened. You too, if you would like, can get up with me at 4.30 in the morning. Now, this is Monday, so you're going to hear this Tuesday. You will actually have one more chance to watch some MLB All-Stars in Japan baseball. They're playing Tuesday, which will be before this podcast drops, but also Wednesday morning at 4 in the morning. If you go to MLB.com, you can join me in watching some it's streaming on
0: mlb.com it is okay
1: yeah theoretically i mean that's what i saw i haven't had the chance to to check
0: it out myself yet i've seen some youtube feeds so i think it might be yeah they might be showing it that way as well can i say the one innovation that they have made i need mlb to pick up on immediately and a friend of the podcast patrick said umpire cam find umpire cam i found some youtube videos of the the umps standing behind the plate calling balls and strikes in this series are wearing GoPro cameras on their heads so there's video of the pitches coming straight at the umpire and the one that the first one that I found is the the pitch that Juan Soto hit opposite field for a two-run homer so you can see what the umpire sees and you know I don't care about pace of play I don't care about if you put GoPros on the umpires' heads, you are going to up the the people, the audience, the TV audience for watching baseball 100%. I'm voting
1: for that right now. That should, that's going to happen.
0: Yeah, it's really cool and it's a little intimidating. And, and you think, you know, maybe you want to be an umpire. This will make you think twice about how dedicated you are to having these projectiles aimed at your head. What else happened in Japan? Something about women. Something about
1: women. There are tryouts for the 2019 season. That would be already right now. They're tryouting for 2 Tryouting Is that a verb? Yes, it is. Trying, trying out. out. Trying out. That's it. Games seven. <laughs> trying out. Gotcha. I'm with you on the game seven for sure. <laughs> Japanese Women's Baseball League. Yes, Women's Baseball League, which doesn't exist anywhere else in the world, but Japan has one and they're going to have women playing in a league next year who are getting ready now. Now, the next Women's Baseball World Cup is in 2020. So hello, United States. Let's get your ass in gear because the Japanese women are going to be ready again. Japan won last time and they're going to win again unless we start supporting women's baseball in the United States.
0: MLB is making a baby step not for players, but for people working in their front office, encouraging women to do that. So MLB's headquarters is in New York City and they just hosted two dozen female undergrads. From NYU's Global Sport Program, so these are sports management undergrads, all women, to come to the headquarters for a half day of networking with female executives and other staff members in ten different apartment uh, apartments, <laughs> ten <laughs> different departments across MLB. In which is, city?
1: That would be really tight if you had ten
0: apartments. They're, yeah, they're all pretty yeah. small there, though. From from what I hear, fun facts they they cited with this: about half of the full time female hires in Major League Baseball. Happened in the last two years of women working full time in Major League Baseball the past two years. Holy shit, that means we are at a moment now
1: of of a tidal wave change, really. Like, like, let's hop on this. This is the time.
0: Two thirds of the women who hired for on field jobs that could be training, that could be scouting, that could be coaching, any of those things. Two thirds of the women hired for those jobs in MLB were hired in the last two years. So we are on an upswing. I think these numbers Mm -hmm. are still pretty small. But the percentage is, we're definitely on a, on, on a big increase, which is pretty cool. There was a super unfortunate quote, which I wasn't going to say, but now I kind of feel like I have to talk about it. The A PR, the director of PR for MLB, a, a woman executive, said something about, we just want to show you that even if you don't know what ERA means, you can still work in baseball. And oh. I thought- there are so many ways to take that. There are a couple of ERAs. Which one are you talking about? And why are you saying that? And then none of it's good. And you work in PR? And and who doesn't know them both who's involved in this conversation? Right. So really? I'm, I'm, I'm a little itchy about that whole thing. And there are still no women general managers. Um, Kim Eng was interviewing for both the Giants and the Mets. Didn't get either of those. The only teams that still are hiring general managers are the Giants And the Baltimore Orioles. Ellis are never going to hire women. Giants, one of the people that interviewed for the GM position was hired for a different job, president of baseball operations. So he's going to then conduct the rest of the hire for the GM. That could happen. I don't believe it's going to happen. The Mets did a weird thing. The Mets, okay. I The Mets need to
1: do a lot of weird
0: things at this point. It's the hapless Mets. So they hired a player agent, somebody who represents players as their general manager, which has been done before the Diamondbacks did it. So Brody Van Wagenen, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his last name, but he represents three Mets players currently. And they're not just any Mets players. They're DeGrom, Syndergaard, and Cespedes. That's pretty. That's the highest Mets player level, I would think. So I'm guessing he's going to have to sort of distance himself from that. So on on the good end of it, he has a relationship already with the ownership because he's been negotiating with them. He knows the Mets organization. So those are good things. But a lot of people are scratching their heads saying, really? I mean, he played ball at Stanford. He pl- I mean, he's played ball. He's not played Major League Baseball. He knows de- different ends of the, the of, of Major League Baseball, but he's not managed before. Clearly, rookie managers can do very well. I'm feeling a little itchy about that, too. Can we hire a woman, please? It's, it's a bad time. In the coming week, we have to do some boyfriend planning. We do. We have to figure out what our strategy is for boyfriends for the coming year because we've decided that we can't keep our boyfriends. Ouch. It's going to be a lot of Dear John, Dear Jane letters going out because, yeah, it's time to break up with some boyfriends, maybe not all of them. But we'll come back next week with our plan for, for boyfriends moving forward. What do you got for next week? I don't know. I'm going to get up at
1: fucking 4 in the morning, 4.30 in the morning tomorrow to watch baseball. I'll try to watch some
0: Japanese baseball. I do get up early anyway. I think that's about it. All right. Well, we're going to watch the hot stove for you so we can tell you what's going on. You should pay attention. You should see what's happening out there now that you know what all the darn words mean, right? Tell your friends about our show and please leave us a review on Apple Podcast or, or Google Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and we'll see you back here next week. And until then, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Goodnight, Potty Mouth.